Hello, friends and neighbors, and welcome back to the Gifts Recorded Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Ebert, and really have a fun episode. I got to uh, catch up with one of my teammates, uh, one of my sisters in Christ, and one of my sisters in comedy. I'm talking about Nikki Haynar. She's been with uh, Wellverse Comedy uh, since uh, 2018, since August of 2018, so uh, about a year and a half. Uh, she's also a mom to an amazing young man, a, a little baby Evan, who's kind of our team mascot. And uh, you know, just seeing her, uh, you know, throughout the pregnancy, and now uh, seeing him uh, growing and learning to try to start crawling and all this sort of stuff, it's been just a, a really fun ride to to walk alongside her and uh, have Evan on stage with us almost as much as she's been on stage with us. Um, <clears throat> so it's been a really fun. Uh, a couple of years having uh, Nikki alongside of us. Uh, so we'll get to our interview with her in just a moment. Uh, speaking of well-versed comedy, you know, when everything calms down and uh, we start having events again, uh, you start having your uh, parties, uh, maybe your retirement party, back-to-school bash, uh, volunteer appreciation parties, things like that, we would love, as well-versed comedy, we would love to come out to your next event and bring clean, family-friendly comedy that's going to be suitable for all ages. It's so hard to find great entertainment that's also not going to break your budget. Uh, we want to be the affordable, great option that's going to make your event memorable and memorable for all the right reasons. So if you're interested in bringing us out, getting the conversation started, send us an email to booking at wellversedcomedy.com. That's booking at wellversedcomedy.com or find us online. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at wellversedcmdy. That's at wellversedcmdy. Find us on Facebook, like us, follow us, and uh, reach out. And uh, we'll help you plan your next event. And again, just make it memorable for all the right reasons. Uh, Wellverse Comedy uh, is... Uh, we're a lot of fun. We have fun on stage, and you're going to have fun with us. Uh, so please consider us for your next event. Now, I wanted to uh, transition over to the Devotions with Dave segment. For this one, not going to offer a lot of commentary, but I just wanted to share six verses. Uh, Psalm 23. It's a very popular uh, one, but sometimes it's one that we may gloss over because we've heard it so often. But I'm going to read it and read it a little bit slower, and I hope that you'll just absorb how much richness uh, David offers in this psalm and how much truth there is to it. So Psalm 23, going to uh, read this from the modern English version. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So that is uh, Psalm 23, and just so much right there, it's it's this beautiful picture of peace laying down in green pastures walking beside still waters uh, this psalm reminds me of uh, a time uh, with my dad when uh, my uh, sister and I were young uh, my dad was disabled but uh, there uh, was a day where uh, we took a couple kites out to this uh, pasture 
and we're flying the kites and I remember distinctly him coming home and talking to mom talking to us and just saying you know today was a really good day it reminded me of in the bible where it talks about being in the still pastures and and buying the still waters and at my age at that time I was not familiar with the Bible so I had no idea what he's talking about but every time I come across this psalm it reminds me of that day of being out there in the field flying kites up in the mountains of Virginia and just watching them soar 100-200 feet in the air and just being in that field uh, there's a, there was a little creek just on the edge of the field uh, it was you know just a small little runoff from the mountain and you know, it was a beautiful day and it was a beautiful memory and I never think about it but I'm always reminded about it when I get to Psalm 23 or when I think about Psalm 23 because it was such an important day for my dad and for us and so Psalm 23 has a special meaning for me and not only does it have a special meaning because of the memory with my earthly father but it has a special impact because of how much richness there is in this psalm as David is talking about the goodness of God. The Lord is my shepherd. What does a shepherd do? He protects his flock. He leads his flock. He provides for his flock. He makes sure that they have what they need. They have the food or water that they need. The shepherd protects from enemies and from those that might hurt the sheep. Uh, the rod and the staff, they come for me because the rod and the staff, they lead and they also protect because the rod and the staff, they're used to fend off wolves and anything else that would attack the, the, the flock. Um, and not only is it just a, is the shepherd a source of protection, but he prepares a table for us. In the presence of your enemies, he anoints our head with oil, a, a sign of, of love and respect and adoration. And our cup runs over because of the blessings and the goodness and the love of God. Uh, so I encourage you to spend time. Uh, it, it's In many ways it becomes a cliche passage. Psalm 23, everyone talks about it. But how much time do you spend actually just absorbing and, and receiving all the goodness that's in that passage? That's why you know the Word is often telling us to meditate on this think about the word and think about what God is communicating through the word uh, and Psalm 23 is a great place to start um, because the Lord is our shepherd and we shall not want because he provides everything that we need and in this time uh, as we record this we're still in the midst of uh, the pandemic and the panic and the fear but we who are called and who love Jesus and who love the Lord our God Remember this piece of the passage. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So even if you catch this, this horrible virus, or you catch another disease, or something happens, and you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, don't fear evil. Don't fear dying. Because God is with you always. And as a Christian... There is no real downside to passing away because when you leave this earth, you're with him in heaven where the streets are paved with gold. And that's not a status symbol. That's, be, that's, a, that's kind of turning things on us here because here gold is so valuable, such a commodity. But in heaven, gold is what we walk on. 
Because the value is God. The value is Jesus. The value is the Holy Spirit. That's where the value is. That's where the light source is when we get to heaven. So death is nothing to be feared as a Christian. The one thing that we should be concerned with is that when the time comes that we're bringing as many people with us when when that time comes. But we have no reason to fear. Because number one, we're, all our job is, is to point to the cross. It's not our job to save. It's not our job to force people to receive Christ. All we got to do is live in a way, speak in a way, and relate to other people in a way that points them to the cross and let them make their own decision. That's sometimes the curse of free will. Everyone has their own choice. They can choose to follow the good shepherd or they can choose to run in the wild and get devoured by wolves, unfortunately. It's not our choice. It's not our choice to make. We can pray and we can live and we can point to the foot of the cross. But at the end of the day, we have nothing to fear because true love obliterates all fear. And so I I did say before this, I wasn't going to go into a lot of commentary. So I'll leave it there. Psalm 23, it's beautiful. It's rich. And it holds a special place in my heart because of the the testimony and the story uh, with my dad and my sister that day. Uh, my dad is uh, uh, has passed on. He passed away almost 10 years ago. In June, it'll be 10 years. Um, and um, I'm hoping that I will see him on the other side. Um, so I just hope. Um, so that is our Devotions with Dave segment, uh, Psalm 23. Uh, just encourage you, especially if... Uh, if this quarantine and this shelter-in-place stuff lasts for a long time, open the Word. I saw a, a meme on Facebook that uh, really hits home. It's basically It says, uh, basically, I removed all sports, I removed all activities, I removed all movies, I removed all activities. Now can we talk? Sincerely, God. So why not make the most of this time? Spend time with your family, building those relationships, having conversations and really building a relationship together with your family, but also spend plenty of time in the Word, in prayer, and in communion with God. And this time will not be wasted if you're able to invest in those relationships. So there ends the Devotion with Dave segment. So thanks so much for indulging me on that. Now we'll get to our interview. Nikki Haynard joined Wellverse Comedy, uh, formerly Haha ha Men, in August of 2018. Uh, fresh off of uh, the moving van back to Illinois from Texas, uh, she came and uh, we connected online. And uh, she's been such a blessing. And it's such a blessing to be able to share this interview, let you get to know Nikki Haynard a little bit better, and uh, hear her story and hear just the wit, wisdom, and passion that she has for comedy uh, and most importantly for the Lord. So I hope that you're blessed by this interview and I hope you have a great rest of your week. Thanks so much for listening to the Gifts of Glory podcast where we celebrate and promote men and women who use their gifts for God's glory. Here's our interview with Nikki Haynard. Now joined by Nikki Haynard. Uh, she is uh, a member of Wellverse Comedy. Uh, she's a stand-up comedian, a licensed massage therapist, an all-around great human being. And the last uh, seven or eight months, she's taken on her greatest role of all time, and that is mother to uh, the team mascot to Evan. Uh, Nikki, welcome to the show, and uh, thanks for being on. 
Thanks for having me, Dave. Absolutely. So you've done podcasts before. I've heard interviews uh, that, are, that you've done before, uh, but this will be your first one as mother to Evan, uh, the incredible squishy face uh, <laughs> air freshener. Oh, <laughs> and I know yeah, well, air freshener. It's he certainly changes the air. Yes. <laughs> I only say that because uh, Anna absolutely adores the way he smells. Oh. He's got that baby smell. Oh, yes, yes. Smelling his head. Yes. As long as you smell the right end, it's nice. <laughs> yeah, the, the the other end, that's the, the punishment end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you joined uh, Wellverse Comedy. Uh, it was uh, under our old name, of Haha ha Men back in 2018, and uh, you've been with us uh, basically since you uh, moved uh, back to Illinois. Yeah, uh, we connected through uh, the Christian Improv Comedy Facebook group, and was it that one I couldn't remember if it was that or CCA. I think it was that one. Some, somewhere along the way, there was a thread that started about where you know roll call where you at, and then I saw something about you were coming back to Chicago. And I said, "Hey, yeah. so you were doing improv uh, down in the Dallas area while uh, your husband was uh, doing his airline training and everything." Correct. And a delightful group called Zingers. Now, how did you uh, uh, first connect with Zingers? Did you have a lot of improv experience when you'd moved to uh, Dallas? Well, I have a degree in theater, uh, so that's kind of part of your training with acting. Because um, okay, I got a degree in theater design production because I had already science cert- um, credits from being a massage therapist. And the school that I went to massage therapy was a chiropractic college, so they transferred in. So I didn't want to do acting, per se, because I wanted to be able to utilize my credits as much as possible. And I knew that backstage stuff, I might get more jobs in than acting. And yeah, anyway, so that was a part of that. And... I guess that means because I've been doing acting and acting classes since high school, you could say I've been doing improv since high school. As far as being on a troupe is concerned, I started with Zingers. um, I don't remember when, but I was with them for three years. So I guess 2015. That was after I did AMTC. How I found them was Joel for Christmas had gotten me... uh, a subscription to fillaseat.com. Do you know about that? No, I've never heard of that. Fillaseat.com. So you, if you are like 24 hours before your event and you have a bunch of seats left op- over, you sell them real cheap to fill a seat so that you can have more people. Okay. Uh, Almost yeah. kind of like a Ticketmaster or StubHub type thing. Yeah, sure. If I would have done a metaphor, that could have been a lot quicker um, explanation. Exactly. Um, so I, we went to their show at this really interesting little venue run by Muslims. So there was no alcohol and it was supposed to be family friendly. And they had this little cafe and this little venue. It felt a lot like gutties with a cafe added to it. Nice. Yeah, so it was a sweet little space. Um, unfortunately, they didn't make it uh, mm. 
probably because we were their best uh <laughs> best show. I think the others were maybe a little lame. Uh-huh. Um yeah. So we go to the show, it's all guys, and I in my overconfidence walked up and said, I think you need some estrogen on your stage. <laughs> How might I, you know, peruse that opportunity? So they invited me to their um what you call it, rehearsals, which they did right before they did shows. And then I would stay for the show. And they made me do that for a few months to put my dues in and see if I would stick around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did. And then they put me on with their troupe as a regular. Nice. Did you find uh, picking up improv at that point easy or was it kind of a natural thing or did it take you a while to really pick up on it? You know, the games were a bit tough. Uh, at first, I've always watched Whose Line Is It Anyway, and they mm. were short form, so that was easy enough. But everybody calls the na- the uh, game something different. Right. So I always need like a little refresher <laughs> of like, which game are you talking about? <laughs> so, but uh, no, that was a lot of fun. And yes, it's improv, but you do f- try to find a way to like stick in that joke that you've told another time that's similar to this circumstance or stick in this character or whatever. So. Absolutely. Um, So how much uh, scripted acting have you done? How many productions? I know that you said you studied kind of the backstage, but how much have you been in front? In mostly in front. I had a two year stint where I did back uh, backstage stuff i worked at chicago scenic studios very um they did oprah winfrey's set when she was in chicago so nice yeah very renowned union house uh it was a big deal that i worked there um high stress high demand i liked it a lot but there was also a lot of stress but it was a highlight it's been a highlight of my professional career i like working with my hands i like being creative um, but I am a character actress and that's a lot of fun for me and I miss it when I'm not doing that and only doing backstage. Mm-hmm. Um, scenic painting is really my kind of forte when I do backstage stuff, that and props. Um, but I would say, oh gosh, in front of the camera, when I was down in Texas, I did some background work, uh, for professionally but then have done a bunch of plays. There was a, a theater I was with called Stage Right Theater based out of a church that I was at down there. Did hmm. four or five productions with them. Um, I was part of a murder mystery dinner theater group. Did maybe eight or so productions with them. And I was only in Texas for eight years. That's all Texas. Wow. So, um, I guess there was a, a hiatus where I didn't do a ton. I really would only do like the big Christmas shows at my church. Um, that my friend who is a, a playwright would uh, write each year specifically for whatever theme our, sh- our church was doing. And that was a lot of fun. It has been a hot minute since I've done a musical, but that's all I did in high school and junior high. So as a musical, uh, did you do, do the singing roles or were you more uh, background, ensemble? Your girl uh, got pipes. Ooh. So, See, yeah. between you, Essie, and Anna, I know that we have three singers 
on the team. So we have to find a way to incorporate more music on our stage. Uh, it's me learning a riff on the guitar. And once I learn it, we'll be fine. I just am not adept enough to just pick it up and go. Mm-hmm. But if I just, if we just figure out what the riff is, I'll learn it. I'll record it. I'll send it to the girls and then we can go from there. All right. We are going to do that because we have too much talent to just do the things that I can do. You got to up our game. <laughs> yeah. We got to up the game. But I'm not afraid to sing. It, it usually it, I it am. brings on a quick, uh, quick edit, but uh, I'll sing. <laughs> Maybe if we can get you. I don't know. I don't know how you sing at all. But I think it would be funny if there was somebody on our troupe that didn't couldn't sing very well, if we could get an auto-tune for them somehow. <laughs> that would I, be I, I, don't, I don't know if auto-tune is that powerful. I, I'm one of those... <laughs> I, Every once in a while, I'll start singing and I'll find the note and I'll hear that I'm finding the note and then I get cocky and I completely lose it and I can never find it again. Oh, no. Yeah, it's... I've been told, you have a great voice, you should be a great singer. I'm like, yeah, if I could find the note and stay there, but I tend to... We'll have you play the maracas. How would that help? You can be the rhythm section. Oh, Okay. Well, I've got the built-in bass drum um, that I, I often use, especially here at the house uh, to entertain Bobby. Oh yes, what is the built-in <laughs> bass drum? Uh, it, it's it, it would be called a baby bump if a woman had it, but it's just my belly. Well, I- <laughs> it just sounds like you're clapping. <laughs> Can you do anything like beatboxy? I could do a little bit. Um, it's usually the same kind of sound, just repeated over and over again. I can't really mix it up. We need to get you to do like a bass beatbox. That's your. I'm giving you homework. That's your task. All right. I will. I will start working on my beatboxing, and not to get that dyslexically confused and start beating boxes. I. You could beat boxes. We. You could bring a five-gallon <laughs> bucket up there. There you go. Yeah. There's some really talented musicians in Chicago that all they do is go around the city and they uh, play the five-gallon buckets. They're amazing. I love them. I love music. And I've yeah. been uh, – I, I hesitate to call myself a musician because I don't know the language of music very well. And I should study more. But, I oh, my gosh. Anytime I see – somebody who's busking i absolutely have to give them some money what'd you call that somebody that's busking busking yeah new term yeah new term for me i'd never heard that before Uh, now i have to look it up to make sure i'm doing it correctly like i you know sometimes i get things mixed up dave okay i i'm sorry i didn't mean to call you out because i no. That's a very cool term. I like it. Busking. The activity of playing music in the street or another public place for voluntary donations. Nice. That's a good term. Busking. Isn't it a wonderful word? That is a good word. That needs to be in you know the general zeitgeist of normal language. It is now. It well, is now. Not normal. I think that the, the 15 or 16... A uh, thousand listeners that will tune into this podcast and make it happen. <laughs> that was a joke, right? Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. 
Right after I said 15 or 16 and added the 1,000, that's when it entered into Fantasyland. Oh, okay. But 15 or 16, usually that's because I listen on five or six different devices to up my stats, and then a few people happen to find it. Sweet. Because I have my work computer, I have my home computer, and I have my phone, and then I have my work iPad. So there's four devices that I can add some listenership to to my podcast and and eventually hopefully make, uh, make some money or get some get some notice. <laughs> so where in your journey um did you go uh, from doing the improv to uh experimenting and getting up on stage as a stand up? Uh stand up was first. Oh, was it? Okay. So at AMTC, they don't have an improv uh, showcase. AMTC, Actors, Models, and Talent for Christ, six-month training program with a showcase at the end to get you in front of professionals and possible gigs. It also no longer exists. Mm. Uh, it was around for 30-some years, though. Yeah. It really helps launch Christians into the industry. You get a crash course in what is expected of the industry. Uh, so you don't look like an idiot when you show up uh, on set or to an audition. Right. And that you can shine for the Christ the best. Like what, not just look like an idiot, you know, and, you know, cre learn the manners, but mm -hmm. also how to look for pitfalls for your spiritual walk. So I found that important. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think I learned... <laughs> more in those six months than if I would have tried to go at it myself. Uh, it probably would have taken me two to five years to learn all of that. And uh, AMTC was national, so you did your training at, uh, locally in Dallas, is that right? Yeah, which is I think is the biggest hub, which doesn't surprise me. In the Bible Belt, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. So I know that uh, Lenore, Anna, and Essie all went through AMTC uh, based here in Chicago. Right. And I had auditioned for AMTC uh, in 2013, right before I moved up to Chicago. Uh, but financially, it just didn't make sense for me at the time to uh, to join. Yes, um, chunk change. I'm sorry? It is a chunk of change. Yeah. Um, but I kind of, I wish I would have found a way to make it work. I actually auditioned, auditioned for um, uh, Jennifer Godson. She's an actress that uh, went through AMTC and uh Fairly well known in the Christian circle. Okay, I don't um, know her, but that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> that was just my poor attempt at name dropping. But uh, I tried it out for stand up with my one joke about Adam and Eve getting into an argument because he wouldn't eat the fruit. I don't know um, this joke. Well, it's, yeah, Adam and Eve—they probably had a typical male and female husband-wife argument. Um, you know, he's like, "Honey, God said." Not to eat that fruit. She goes, I spent all day gathering this fruit for you, and you just won't eat it. I don't know why you don't appreciate me. It's like, okay, honey, I'll eat it. And See, it needed a lot of development, and it still does. Yep. <laughs> but the premise is there. I agree. Which you can use, because I'm not good at comedy writing. I'm good at just... David, 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 David. You're not good at comedy writing yet. Buddy, I had to study. It didn't I don't it didn't just happen. And then you it takes a good year to like refine your first five minutes. 
I went to a class right after AMTC and I did the one showcase and was like schooled at how much I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> I then went and took a class um, from a guy who was actually on Last Comic Standing, Dean Lewis. Okay. And it was a fabulous class and got refer- referrals for a couple of books. Um, Mel Heiser's book and Judy, I can't remember her last name, but it's called the Comedy Bible. Uh, comedy Writing Bible or Comedy Bi- Bible. And the only reason I did not pick that one up initially is I have a bias against anything that puts Bible right. <laughs> in their title. Because I think that it's um, presumptuous. Right, right. I can see that. (laughs) Which is so dumb on my part. But anyway, I really like Comedy Writing Secrets by Mel Heiser and anybody who's trying to get into stand-up. Like, if you just did even three of the writing um tasks like they give you and writing games you'd probably come up with a few jokes and when you go to open mic you only get three to five minutes so you go you try it out see what works and then you go back the next week and uh go with your tweaks yeah right and you got to hit different mics man it's it's a grind you have to hit different mics you have to go up at least once a week Uh, if you're not going up once a week then you're not really going at it at all. Um, But the guys who are really going at it, they're in New York or Chicago and are trying to hit up a mic every night. Like those are the people that are serious about it. I, I tried to get up like when I was really going at it at my hardest, I was trying to get up at least two mics a week. Mm -hmm. Um, If it's not a clean mic, which Thank God I was in Dallas because they actually have clean mics there. Again, the Bible Belt. Mm -hmm. If I was trying to start this in Chicago, I don't think I would have made it. There's not really clean mics and you have to sit around and wait for your turn. And a lot of them are, there's so many people trying to get into it in Chicago. It's a a lottery system. So you may or may not get up that night. You feel like a schmuck if you don't um, get something from the bar. So I'm getting a coffee if I'm hungry, a hummus plate or something. (laughs) So I'm paying for parking. I'm paying for gas. I'm paying for drinks and or food. And I may or may not get up. So when I first came back, I went to a few mics. I have a friend who lives in the city who also moved back from Texas and is trying to, you know, make it in some comedy world. I just, man, if you don't really live in the city or close by, it's expensive. Oh, yeah. And, you know, uh, Rick Roberts, uh, whose podcast, uh, School of Laughs. Yes. Uh, the first, too. Uh, you turned me on to his podcast. Basically, the first 50 episodes, going back to, I believe, 2014 is when he started, or maybe later. But uh, a few years back, he started it. And just a wealth of knowledge. He, he just gives away on the podcast. Oh, uh, I mean, it's a crap and, course. Yeah. And so comedy is not easy. It's not easy to get into. Even if you're naturally gifted and you've yeah. got all those gifts, you still have to re- refine it and and tweak it here and there. And you can never really get comfortable if you want to continue to get bookings and, and get opportunities to, to make people laugh. It's a never-ending process. 
No, you got it. Absolutely, Dave. I mean, you could do it if you wanted to. You could learn the art of the writing if you wanted to. But I don't know how much more you can do, man. Right. <laughs> a lot of stuff on your plate. Yeah, I do have a lot of stuff on my plate. Um, so that's why I just I go where I, I don't need to prepare. That's where improv comes because I'm not kidding, right? <laughs> All right, so let's go back a, a, a few or a couple years. Um, let's talk about your faith journey because we've talked a lot about you've done productions in church. Uh, I haven't talked about uh, your family, which uh, I'm sure is a huge influence uh, to your faith journey. Um, when in your life did you find that relationship uh, with the Lord, and how did that all happen? I came up in a Christian home, so it was just taught to me as truth from an early age. I was in the public school system, so anytime I'd come home with uh, an idea that was not biblical, my parents were really diligent and my older siblings to talk it out with me and to look at things biblically. So from an early age, taught a biblical worldview. Because my dad and mom are both readers and scholars, they would take on any doubts that I had were very good at helping me process anything that didn't make sense. But, um, I, I mean, I guess there've been times where I've struggled with doubts or being mad at God. How could a loving God allow me to lose two babies, for example, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But, um, all in all, I don't think I've ever not known that there was a higher power. It's just, how do I define it? How do I get to know it? And the more I study the Bible, the more I see there is archaeological uh, um, reasons and proofs for the Bible manuscript to be uh, the word of God, to be trustworthy. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, the more I dive into it, the richer it becomes and the more my faith becomes secure. Uh, so I guess, I don't know the address or the reference, but um, isn't there a verse he is found by those who seek him? There, there are several uh, that refer to it. Um, uh, and it, the first thing that pops up is Jesus saying, yeah, those who seek uh, will find and those who knock the door will be answered, um, which Sounds can like be used in the mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, of course, Matthew 11. Uh, 32, 33. Um, seek first the kingdom of God and these things will be added to you. Yeah. Man, I guess that's just my biggest verse right now, right? Like people ask you questions and they want you to, to solve all their problems with one anecdote or whatever. And, you know, I guess the best counselors and the best friends would really be ones that just point you to Jesus and say, man, you're going to have to talk it out with him. I can tell you what I think, but until he reveals it to you, it's not going to mean a thing. Exactly. It, it you know, you could, it, it's literally, you lead the horse to water. You can point the horse to where the water is, but they have to take the drink and decide if they're going to keep drinking or not. Yeah. And honestly, I used to have all of this like, oh, if I didn't say something, it's going to be my fault if they go to hell. Like, no, <laughs> <laughs> it's not my fault. 
if someone goes to hell. Wow, do you think super high of yourself? <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, man. It's like uh, there was a, a meme that uh, occasionally some of my Christian friends have shared on Facebook that says, don't think that you can ruin God's plans. You don't have that kind of power. No. No, you don't. If all of God's plans hinged on the human race, and, oh, no one would get saved. In <laughs> <laughs> of that self, that would deny the power of God who can create a yeah. universe but still can't have a plan that could be, you know, um, derailed by human frailty. Oh, man. He doesn't need you. He's just nice enough to bring you along. <laughs> And it's such a great analogy uh, for God to call us his children. Because if you think about, you know, a kid trying to help mom or dad around the house, Ugh. that kid's going to mess it up and make a bigger mess than if the parents just did it themselves. But God's just there like a parent, smiling, laughing at the mess, enjoying the fellowship. I was putting away groceries. Evan's crawling around on the floor, not full crawling, army crawling. But it's getting more adept every day. So he finds new things to get into. And I am pinning him on the floor between my feet, like I'm holding onto his hips, so that he doesn't <laughs> smash the door into his face to the pantry as I put things in. Thanks for helping mom put groceries away, Evan. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I've almost hit myself with the door a time or two, and Jesus is like, nope, not that one. Let's go <laughs> open a different door, Nikki. <laughs> so you grew up in a christian household was there ever a time you, you you mentioned that you had some you know that you know you had moments of doubt or or questions or anger was there ever a moment of maybe rebellion where like you had to kind of step on your own and fall on your face or was were you pretty much always in tune i'm Lord? pretty much a goody goody but uh i would say my mouth gets me in trouble i can be a fairly angry person can have some outbursts. I have to deal with that a lot. I would say that's rebellious because that's certainly a sin. Mm -hmm. um, and cussing when I was <laughs> uh, seventh and eighth grade and still even now, like, oh, good spin of curse words is um, a downfall for me, <laughs> for me. But go figure, right? Somebody who enjoys, um, expression and drama and art likes to express herself negatively too when she's feeling her fleshly sin um but yeah i mean we all have things we we battle and deal with um i can be a truth before grace person mm -hmm. which is uh you always know where you stand with me i guess that's sort of good for the most part i love everybody um Yes, there's there's things people always struggle with. That's gonna happen. When I, uh, yeah. But other than that, no, I, I've pretty been been pretty solid that I am that there is a God and I'm not it, and I need to know Him more, and that that's a better way to do life. Seeking Him and being refined. We're always being refined. We're not done. We're not done until we're dead. Um, James talks about that. Right. Um, what was the other thing that happened? Oh yeah. I had two miscarriages within six months of each other. 
Oh man. Uh, I didn't realize that they were that close. I knew that you'd had uh, had the two, but Let's I didn't realize. This, David, this is how it went: 2016, August; 2017, February; 2017, June. Up and moved my entire life, my business, all of the traction I had gained with art from Texas back to Illinois. Wow! I went through a depression, for sure. That was a whirlwind going through those two things or all three of those major events back to back to back. I didn't realize how close all that had, had fallen together. So there's a, a testimony there, just you know, being able to still have your head ho- held high after all of those changes. I mean, I had my moments. There was probably, <laughs> once we moved back, I probably had a good solid month where I just was numb. So was the move, was it kind of, um, were you excited about it or were you kind of against it, but you were no. more than No, everything's more expensive up here. Um, my friendships, Illinois, living in Illinois, I moved here to high, to high school, my junior year of high school, and then it was intermittent on and off. I went to three different colleges. <laughs> <laughs> so like. And then I was one year in a traveling drama ministry. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That was a trip. Um, One year in a traveling drama ministry. I was in Croatia one summer. I mean, it was all over the place. So there weren't a lot of roots with relationships. The longest I had lived in one place was my birth through 13 years in Maryland. Then we moved to Wisconsin, then Illinois, and then I was in Texas for eight years with my husband. And it was a rich, developing time. Uh, Mm -hmm. Really, you know, when you get away from your family, you put down some roots as far as, you know, like personally and individually and um, identity, you know. And so I guess a platform, if I had any platform, it would be identity. And that you really cannot rely on or stand on things that you have done yourself. Because I tell you, moving from Texas up to Illinois shook me and shook my identity. And I had to do some study and how I kind of got myself back together is your identity is in Christ. Yeah. And your home is not earth. Texas was pretty close. I loved it. I love Texas. If all of my family could pick up and move back to Texas, I would go. But um, I love my family. My dad has Parkinson's. Mm -hmm. And so being around home, I don't know how much longer we're going to have him. So I'm trying to help his last years on earth be good ones. And he loves my son. Oh, my goodness. It (laughs) brightens up his day. (laughs) So... And I want my son to know his family as much as possible. Absolutely. So that's why we're here. And Joel got a job here. Oh, my gosh. That was just a total God thing. We tried to get a job down in Texas. We didn't really want to leave. We had idea that we wanted to move back in two years. Uh, But God was like, no, you can't have a job in Texas. Oh, look, here's two job offers within the two weeks of application up in Illinois. When you had been looking for a job for three months in Texas. Mm. Yeah. 
So God definitely had a purpose and a plan to bring you guys home. And, uh-huh. uh, and on a personal level, I am truly grateful that he did because you've been a huge blessing uh, to me, to Bobby, my wife, and uh, to the team. Uh, so you know, we're thankful to God that, uh, that he puts you on the mission field to Chicago instead of leaving you in Texas. Boy, howdy. Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> so uh, the, a couple of members of the team did have a couple questions they wanted me to throw at you. Um, the first one comes from Essie. Um, she asks, uh, she actually has a couple of questions. The first one is, what specific skills do you feel that you bring to the team? Okay, character work. So I think I develop... I can develop a character pretty rapidly with facial, voice, accent, and movement. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that can be interesting and adds a lot. I think outside of the box regularly, so that's fun to bring that. Um, And as far as just personally in the group, it is something that I am purposeful about is trying to make sure everybody has a chance to shine and I try to bring that out and I want to see people develop the things that are God-given in them and I try to celebrate that for each of my team members. And I I, I agree with every uh, every one of those things. Uh, your Your character work and the physicality because so much of improv tends to be that talking head of, you know, straight up and down. Maybe they'll change their speech pattern slightly, but you are very good at taking on the physicality of a character. And whenever there's a callback, whenever you want to do a callback, it's obvious what you're doing because you take on that new character or take on that, that called back character. Sweet. Thank you. Absolutely. Um, she also, uh, next question would be, what do you hope to improve this year? I mean, the first thing that came to me is be a good mom. Um, but as far as the improv world is concerned, I would like to be um, quicker with pulling out characters. I want to have characters in my pocket where I feel like I'm trying to bring something brand new every time at an improv show. And I think that that should be done in improv rehearsal. What, what is new is the circumstance and what the character says, but who the character is and how that character is portrayed, portrayed. I would like to have that come out more readily, more quickly. Okay. And the final question from uh, Essie is, in your opinion, why is clean comedy important and what role can it play in ministry? Clean comedy, well, comedy in general, we'll just take that first. Okay. I think the role of comedy is to um, unify people. I think laughter does that. I think it unifies people. I think comedy has a unique way to comment on things that are challenging or bring worry and knocks them down a peg. So if you laugh at it, it releases the stress about it. 
And you're listening to the Gifts of Glory podcast, where we celebrate and promote men and women using their gifts, talents, and passions to honor and glorify God. More of this week's conversation right around the corner. Now, you've heard me plug our improv team, Wellverse Comedy, before, but improv is it's far more than just stage performance. We are available to come to your church, your office, your group or team, and teach the fundamentals of improv for team building, for confidence building, self-esteem development, and more. What a fun way to bring your people together to learn about each other and to grow closer as a unit. For me, I volunteer with an organization that helps women who have survived sex trafficking. It's such a joy to work with them, to see their creativity rekindled, to help them rediscover the worth that God has instilled in them, and just to plain have fun and laugh like kids again. We'd love to share that and more with your group. Email us at booking at wellversecomedy.com, booking at wellversecomedy.com to inquire about improv training for your group. Back in just a moment on the Gifts of Glory podcast. What do you get when you talk to a Dell Technologies advisor? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You get someone who understands there's an art to listening. Mm-hmm. Sure. Who's able to hear more than what's being said and can provide tailored mm-hmm. small business solutions that make you feel okay. truly heard. I understand. Let's get started. For advice on everything from laptops to the cloud and solutions powered by Intel vPro platform, call an advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL. has a unique way to comment on things that are challenging or bring worry and knocks them down a pace. So if you laugh at it, it releases the stress about it, which um, like Facebook can be stressful. So our last show, my last joke was about Facebook. Anna said, well, I don't really, it was the debate game. Mm -hmm. And Anna was like, well, I got to be honest. I don't really know what Sharks and Minnows is. I said, well, that's amazing. You're exactly like Facebook. You have no idea what the debate is about, but you make a comment anyway. Yeah. And I think that's important because people can get really heated. And exactly. we got to laugh at it so it, and bring recognition to it and then be like, oh, well, yeah, that is dumb. Let's let's not do that. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. I, so I, I personally like comedy for that. Now, a little bit on a lighter note is just um, I, laughing is unifying. Clean comedy is uh, guilt-free comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to glorify sin. I want to take things that are stressful and knock them down a peg. Even just produce good uh, hormones of oxytocin and the feel-good things through laughter. In the presence of family and friends can be helpful to make everybody feel more unified to dis- to explain why it's unifying. Mm-hmm. I think that answered it. Yeah, absolutely. And so that lends right into the kind of the, her follow-up was about what role can I play in ministry. Bringing people together is yeah. one way that, that can definitely help. Well, and uh, knocking down walls can help somebody be open to hearing what the Lord says, because this is part of the reason why I believe Christianity is true. 
this is not a religion for someone who just wants to feel good all of the time. Mm -hmm. Because Christ says, to identify with me, you have to take up your cross. He also says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Because ultimately, he is the one who sets out what the rules of the game are. So if you do it his way, it's going to be lighter than if you try to do it your way. Because he gives you the Holy Spirit to get through it. When people try to do it on their own and be the God of their own life and do things the way they want to do it, you may think that you're playing by your rules, but God's in control of everything. And he's set out what the ultimate rules are. And he lets you try to play it yourself. But when you play it by your rules, you're going to fail yourself because you're not God. Right. Absolutely. So that's why it becomes heavy. Sin is so deceptive. It feels good for a time. And it feels good right at that moment when you have that emotional outburst or that anger outburst or whatever. But then you have to deal with the ramifications of it, of what did you do to harm that person in that moment? What did you do to harm yourself? And uh, honestly, you're giving in to fear because fear usually precedes anger. Mm-hmm. And uh, there, there's a verse that says there is no, um, no love found in fear. Right. Fear and love. True love casts out all fear. Yeah, there's a lot of them. There's all that. And so you're not then, you're not then in love. Who doesn't want to be in love? (laughs) And having their life uh, be put out in that way. So I have no idea how we got to this, but that's, that's that. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Because, you know, I believe that comedy is, is an ultimate tool. And like all, all tools and gifts that God gives us, it can be, for lack of a better term, and this is a very strong term, can be bastardized and misused, which I think a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of the world does with comedy and with humor. But it can be so, you mentioned uh, unifying, it can be healing, and it can yeah. break down walls that yeah. will prevent the truth from coming in. Break down walls. That's how we got here. That the Christian faith is not always an easy pill to swallow at first because we're combating our sinful nature. And so comedy as a ministry, it can help when you release those good feelings, those good hormones can help you be more fertile soil for the seeds of the scriptures to be planted in. Can help you uproot some of those uh, things that might be an obstacle for you to take on what God is asking you to take on. Absolutely. And one of the things that I always like to say is I, I just picture Jesus with, you know, 12 guys. Most of them are kind of roughnecks or not. Oh, you know, yeah. Elites. They had to have had moments where they were laughing and yeah. carrying on, having a good time because that's how you have good relationship. Peter had to have lit his farts on fire. I don't care who you are. One of my favorite comedians, John Branion, has an entire bit. Uh, James and John were called the the Sons of Thunder. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Was it because of belching or the other end? You tell me. 
I I don't know. Yeah, I could just picture you know Jesus hanging around the fire. I'm like, pull my finger. Oh, that wasn't the Holy Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> they had to have had inside jokes. There's no way that all of those guys could be together for that length of time and not have inside jokes. Exactly. At, at least eleven out of the twelve enjoyed it. You know, there was the one that was probably the one sourpuss, and he was probably ribbed because he never laughed. And you know, it had to have been Judas, right? (laughs) All right. uh, So Lenore had a question. She was wondering, did your family find you funny growing up? Yeah. So funny about me as a kid, I didn't know I was funny. Anytime I tried to be funny, it wasn't funny. I just am a character, I guess. It's hard to be self-aware of that. Most of this is because other people have told me this and because I've seen some video and I was like, wow, yeah, I was weird. Um, (laughs) Just a little off the wall. My mom would say she marches to the beat of a different drummer. None of us know what that drummer is. I added that last bit. But mm-hmm. um, so, she, you know, I had very loving family, but I was loud and obnoxious and very emotional and dramatic. And yeah, she, like, for example, people would make fun of me as a kid and my mom would be like, just ignore them. But me ignoring them was very active. And I very much had a face that I was very much trying to ignore you, which isn't ignoring at all. Right. (laughs) So is this as a little kid or is this even as you're growing up through high school and everything? I think I got a clue around eighth grade. Okay. So it was a while. (laughs) (laughs) Was there ever a transition where you became intentionally funny for your family or was it always kind of the accidental funny that you're talking about? I still do it to this day. There are just times where I'm being dead serious and somebody will laugh and I won't know why. Um, I still have that problem. This is going to sound horrible, but it makes me think sometimes maybe there's a spectrum that I'm on. I don't know what (laughs) spectrum it is. (laughs) But I'm aware that there are times where I'm socially awkward. I think I'm fine, but I'm aware that I'm awkward and it becomes humorous often. Does that bother you or do you find, do you just, have you come to kind of accept it now? I think I've accepted it as my, um, my superpower. All right, so we have a question uh, now from Anna. She said, uh, who are your influences and what's your process for getting stories together for your stand-up? My process for stand-up, I'll start there, is just um, everything that comes from personal life is the funniest. Often, to make a joke work, I might maybe mesh a couple of life stories together, but then there are times where it is straight up exactly what happened. Like the time we hit a deer and my grandmother was trying to coach it as it was dying. And it was just so funny. And what, what she said is what I repeat verbatim where she tells the deer, honey, don't try to live. You ain't got no legs. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my gosh. It's still just that funny to me. Oh. And I told it at her funeral. <laughs> But my grandmother and I had a very unique relationship and she would love it that I told that story at her funeral. But I had to give the audience permission to laugh. They were just like dumbfounded. Remember when I said I was awkward? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I can't believe I did that. My family was all good with it because they know me anyway. Mm -hmm. But people who don't know us were like, what just happened? <laughs> How, how old were you at the time uh, of your grandmother's funeral that you did that? Oh my gosh, well into my twenties. So, uh, so people were shocked that somebody of a certain level of maturity is over here telling a funny story. Who's or... mature? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm mature. I'm just childlike. Which is what Christ calls us to be. Thanks, Dave. Anytime. <laughs> um, what was the other part of her com her question? Uh, who are your influencers or influences? I'm going to say the Holy Spirit. Um, yeah, because that's pious. Uh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Got to put the T at the end. Um, I have a lot of comedians that I like. I would probably say at the get-go, Lucille Ball. Um, Carol Burnett. Oh my gosh. The Carol Burnett show. You know, she was 26 when she started that 26 or 27. Wow. I mean, a baby. Yeah. It, it kind of makes me feel a little jealous that I have not, I haven't accomplished nearly anything and I'm 12 years older than that. Well, there can only be one Carol Burnett. This is true. Yeah. And then Chris Farley. Oh, yes. Oh, he's just amazing. Adam Sandler. Uh, those guys probably started it. Steve Martin. Martin Short. Um, those, I, that, those are the names that stick out from my youth, which is all where it all started, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, and then I would just do a lot of impressions as a kid. Like, uh, you remember the show Short Circuit? Short Circuit. It was about a robot that got hit by electricity and came to life. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the movie Short Circuit, uh, number five is alive. Right. Uh-huh. And um, there was an Indian character in it, and that's how I got my first Indian accent. <laughs> yes. Uh, Hold on to your socks. Yeah. <laughs> that's my first go-around with the Indian accent. Um, and then... Oh, how could I forget him? Um, come on, Shrek, Mike Myers. Oh, Mike Myers. Huge influencer. That's how I got my Scottish accent. You know, that he used in everything. Uh, so I Murdered an Axe Murderer was a big one of my favorite movies. Yes. Um, so actually a lot of guys, not a lot of female comedians. Uh, that I, yeah, more male comedians. That I guess there's more of them. Right. Uh, as I got a little bit older, Ellen DeGeneres, she she does really great clean comedy. Honestly. Yeah, she does. 
Um, I like her a lot. Her stuff's great. I'm trying to think of another female comedian that I really get into. Oh, Chanda Pierce. Oh, um, oh yeah. Before I started stand up, like right when I was dipping my toe in it, I got to see a show of hers and I went up and said, you know, I'm kind of starting out in comedy. And she was so encouraging. And she was the one who told me to get involved with CCA. Nice. And for so, those that are wondering, CCA is the Christian uh, uh, Comedy Association. It's a nationwide uh, collection of Christian comics because there are quite a few out there. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of amazing people and a lot of amazing talent uh, that are Christians that go out there and, and make a living telling jokes. Quite a few are populating drybarcomedy.com yes. <laughs> right now. <laughs> is it a .com? Uh, I believe so. Drybar.com or drybarcomedy.com. You yeah. can find, find them on YouTube. Uh, they have an app uh, which you can download and get access to all their specials. Um, they have an improv troupe that uh, they've had on three times. So every few months I'm going to email them like, hey, you know, if you want another improv troupe, we're a Christian group and we're unique because uh, we're mostly female, which is actually uh, something you kind of touched on is there's not a lot of really good female comics. And there's not, you know, comedy is mostly a male dominated uh, universe. So that makes our team so unique in having the four women to the one dude. Yeah, it is. It is really unique that we have that di demographic. Um, and probably part of the reason why I can still honestly be a part of the troop because of being a mom, I feel like, um, I don't know, maybe that's wrong of me to say. I feel like they get it and I can bring my kid along or have been able to more. Yeah, I, I think that maybe if nothing else is more of a stereotype, but I think women are more understanding of, of that. I think, you know, guys might tend, you know, speaking in generalizations, guys might not be quite as understanding, but that's because guys are tend, you know, kind of silly and kind of dumb. Well, I don't know about that. I just think, you know, especially the early stages, there's just wiring from, you know, for moms to be the nurturer at that, especially the early stages. Like my husband, he loves our baby and he's amazing with my baby. He has no desire to touch anybody else's baby. <laughs> That's understandable. Uh, speaking, you know, as a guy and like, I, like people are like, oh, look at the baby and hold it. And I'm like, Evan's different because, you know, he's family. Well, yeah. And you saw him, like he developed with us. Yeah. <laughs> He's been in, like, most of the shows. <laughs> he really has. Uh, the, the the picture that will always be one of our favorites is us on stage at Fountain of Life Church posing with the uh, the blue dye. And you could see this protrusion from your belly yeah. looking like Evan is actually reaching towards the center where we all were. Oh, yeah. It's a sharp angle. <laughs> <laughs> it was hilarious. He's been he's been such a blessing uh, just to have around, and also just to see the joy in you and Joel uh, because you. of the uh, everything that you guys have been through in getting to this point. Um, because on a spiritual level, you have three children; two yeah. you're going to meet on the other side. Mara, Hope, and Hazael. 
Mara Hope is one, and the, what was the uh, the other name? Hazael. Hazael. Is that uh, a Hebrew name? Yes. It means the God who sees. That was our firstborn, or first uh, heavenborn. Mm-hmm. And Mara Hope was our second. And we don't know the genders. My husband feels pretty secure um, that he feels like the Holy Spirit revealed that they are females. <laughs> okay. He had a dream. Um, and he doesn't have dreams. So that was uh, pretty sweet. Nice. So there's that. Um, yeah. So we're going to get to see our babies. It's very interesting how you can feel so connected to and miss somebody you've never met. Mm. And I think it, it's especially true for a mother because it was, you know, uh, these babies were a part of you. And it's it's a genuine connection that uh, that you have to wait until you see Jesus face to face, and then you'll see your children face to face. So, in judging by current events, you know that may be sooner than later. Oh, what with our our faux apocalypse that we're in the middle of right now? I, I think we should just we should dub it faux apocalypse. Faux apocalypse. Oh my gosh! First world problems. Um, so we've been going for a while. Um, so I, I know that you have a baby to take care of and I know that you probably have to, uh, feed your husband and all that sort of stuff. So before I let you go, I, I have, I have to back up a second, David. Oh, sure. Go ahead. I said first world problems. There are a lot of people out there who have legit problems. I just Uh, think that what we're going through right now, a lot of the whining that I have heard is um i'm stuck inside with my family okay come on guys (laughs) yes i know that that's tough but uh for more so for some people but i'm not poo-pooing the 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 real um sacrifices that people are having to go through people have lost jobs but Mm -hmm. some of what people are complaining about is is just complaining and there is a verse that says do everything without complaining (laughs) <laughs> right right and so some of it is is a bit silly i'm not trying to uh put down those who are really going through some severe things absolutely and that, that's a very uh good point point well taken that there are people who are struggling um there are a lot of you know maybe elderly people who don't yeah. have a support system in place so they're not able to get the things that they need because the able-bodied have already gone out and snatched it all and there's nothing left for them or maybe because of all the news, they're afraid to go out and get their medicines and things like that. Right. So there are definitely people out there who are legitimately struggling right now. So Absolutely. for people that are in a legitimate uh, situation, uh, we're not talking we're about them. We're talking about the people that are upset because they can't go to Starbucks or they can't go to the beauty shop to get their roots done. That kind of stuff. That's not... I know what no. you mean, Dave. I got my bangs cut right before, and they are too stinking long right now, and they get in my eye. Was that the the reason for the twitch on your video? This, this no, uh, that was lack of caffeine. The uh, urban survivalist had to go get more caffeine, more coffee. They were out earlier. The suburban survivalist had talked about needing to ration coffee. And use it not only as a drink, but also as a facial um, applicant. Because as a suburban survivalist, you know, you're not able to go get your massages and your facials. 
So you have to do it at home. It's very invigorating. The coffee scrub on the face is wonderful. I I was going to do that, but Bobby's like, I just cleaned the kitchen counter. You can't do it. So Aww. I may have to make the kitchen clean and I can do the, uh, the coffee <laughs> facial scrub. Or maybe when we go outside to break the cabin fever, I'll just take my grounds from the morning and, and apply it. And leave it on. People will keep their distance. Yeah, I believe. So I will I will try that. And it also, you know, having the beard will keep it even longer applied to my face. Wonderful. So. Yes. All right. So I did want to end with what we call the interrogation. Basically, I shoot uh, seven quick questions at you to see uh, a little bit more about you to kind of uh, get to know uh, some things as we let you go. Um, so the first question of the interrogation is, what's your favorite ice cream flavor? Rocky Road. Good choice. What's one thing that you never knew about being a mom that has surprised you? One thing I never knew about being a mom that has surprised. Now, I'm an old mom, so I kind of knew a lot. Um, I can't say a lot of them, David. <laughs> okay. They all happen to do with breastfeeding, and we'll leave it there. Okay. that I, I appreciate that. Uh, number three, what was the last movie that made you cry? I'm a mom now. Do you know how many things make me cry? <laughs> a lot. Like commercials can make me cry. Um, especially if they have to do about kids. Mm -hmm. All right, here we go. Combining two things. I used to love the movie Hunger Games. Now being a mom, I understand why all those other moms were like, no, that's terrible. Oh, okay. Yeah, I could see that. Especially when... I haven't uh, watched it. I don't know that I can. There was uh, the the one uh, little character, the little girl that died. Uh, Snap Rue? it. Mm -mm. Yeah, Rue. Uh -uh. <laughs> okay, let's change, uh, change topics. Yeah, um, go forward. Uh, what's been your favorite moment on stage all time? All time? Mm-hmm. I played this character that I would love to bring back in a show called Curious Savage. She was in a mental institution for being delusional and maybe not able to function in society. She wasn't a harmful person. She just hard to function in society. Mm. So it was a mental institution slash home, really. Um, and she thought she was just gorgeous and she had a lisp. And there's a part where she's trying to help somebody get something from a high shelf. So she scampers up on the top of this ladder and she just pauses and looks out everyone uh, over everyone and goes, from this height, I feel like I'm the most important person in the world. And for whatever reason, the, the, it was just an electric moment. And that you just, it just, everybody died because it was just so dang random. And she was just such a fun character to play. So was this a comedy or is it more of a, a drama? Comedy for sure. Okay. Very nice. All right. Uh, question uh, number five will be what keeps you up at night? My brain. 
It goes in a million different directions. I solve the world's problems. I write stories. I write lists. I cannot go to sleep very easily. If you could, what's one thing that you would change about your life, either your past or current situation? I would have liked to have focused in on uh, a performance style earlier on. I think perhaps I could have been further along in my career, but, you know, woulda, coulda, shouldas, yeah. So final question is, what is your dream job if you could do anything in the world? I have asked myself that a million times. I took an aptitude test that was supposed to help pinpoint this. It was four hours long. It was put out there by the uber professionals who have studied people's brains called psychologists or psychiatrists. I don't know. I'm sure they might be able to prescribe medicine psychiatrists, I suppose. And do you know what they told me? They said, you have aptitudes in a great many of things. None of them overlap very easily in a career. You're not going to be able to find the one thing. Wow. That's uh, very interesting and also maybe overwhelming to think that you don't have, that, that they didn't feel that you had this one area. I don't have one, Dave. I don't have one. I think if I had to give up other things that I would like to express, knowing that there really isn't going to be the one thing that I can put them all together, I have often thought that if my job could be to lead short-term mission trips for privileged uh, people who come from privileged communities and countries to go serve communities and countries that are less than privileged, that would be awesome. I've done that before, and the aha moments that people have spiritually is mind-blowing and more contagious than a laugh. Wow. I like that. And that's something that could potentially use all of your different giftings and all of your different skill sets because there's a million and one things that go into orchestrating mission trips, the yeah. fundraising, the logistics and things like that. So it may be. I went on my first mission trip was when I was, um, yeah, we never even touched that. I, yeah, I've done a lot. I've been to a lot of places. Um, but I am almost 40, so that's a lot of life lived. Um, 1994, I was 14, and that was my first mission trip with Teen Missions International. I didn't exactly feel like God was calling me into full-time mission work per se, but definitely that I was going to be in a support role for full-time missionaries. Um, fast forward, knowing that call on my life, when I found my husband, Joel, um, that was one of my prerequisites for anybody I was going to marry is what is your feeling about missions? And he's a missionary kid. And that was one of the things that he said is, I don't feel like I'm necessarily called to be a full-time missionary, but I would like to support missionaries in some way. So him actually doing a aviation is um, we're going to end up on the mission field as pilot at some point. And the role of a pilot on the field is a support role. And mm -hmm. often the pilot has what they call the guest house. So you're kind of like a bed and breakfast and, a, and an airport. Um, so I like that. I like that a lot. So we'll probably end up on the mission field uh, in the next decade. Okay. Sounds good. 
Um, and that's something that, uh, you know, Bobby and I also think about and feel like God's going to put us in the mission field somewhere, some, you know, sometime soon. Um, we just don't know if it's foreign, domestic, or what it's going to be, but yeah. You know mission- the first thing that popped into my head when you said that, though? What's that? Um, orphanage. Yeah, orphanage is definitely, that's a beautiful work to be a part of. Yeah, it is. All right, so the last thing I always ask my guests is, if you could offer wise counsel to anybody that would like to either enter comedy or otherwise use their gifts for God's glory, what would your wise counsel be to them? Okay, this is going to sound so basic and cliche. Don't take yourself so seriously. How, you know, that's funny, right? People get into comedy and it's a funny thing. It's not serious. But so many of them take it so seriously that I feel like they shoot themselves in the foot. So that was our interview with Nikki Haynar, member of Wellverse Comedy. Uh, she's an incredible uh, improv performer. She's also a great stand-up comedian. If you've been to any of our Second City shows, uh, either at Judy's Beat Lounge or in the Blackout Cabaret, uh, you've seen her perform uh, stand-up. You may have also seen her perform when we were down at Gutty's down in uh, suburban Indianapolis. She's a really a funny lady, an incredible uh, sister in comedy and in the Lord. So we're really blessed to have her on. Um, there were some technical glitches towards the end of her recording. And at one point, I was disconnected, but her recording continued. So I'm going to leave you with a little little nugget a little treat if you will uh that was recorded while she was waiting for me to reconnect so i hope you enjoy it and thank you for listening to the gifts of glory podcast where we celebrate and promote men and women who use their gifts for god's glory nobody knows the trouble i've seen nobody knows my sorrow